Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business and the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And the Product Management Center is all about uh, developing a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. And we are here every single week sharing knowledge from some of the best product managers in the business. I'm super excited about today's conversation because our guest today is somebody who's just been hustling behind the scenes, helping the Product Management Center community grow and share knowledge. Uh, So our guest today, Larry, didn't go to the University of Washington, came connected to us through, I think he'll have to share how he ever even discovered the Product Management Center, but since has just volunteered and been, he's uh, really helped lead and be a part of a group that's put together an Ask Me Anything series, where every single week for the last uh, nine months, I think he's gotten uh, speakers to show up in the Slack group and answer any questions that they have. And so Larry, really, our guest today really exhibits just a give back spirit and a wonderful contributor to product managers everywhere. So Larry, thanks for joining us today. Yep. Yeah. And thank you for having me. And Jeff, for what it's worth, I think that was uh, too much flattery there. I'll give a lot more credit to you and the team for the successful AMA events, but really appreciate the, the shout out there. My pleasure. So first, tell us a little bit about how you broke into product management. Oh, great question. So to be quite honest, and I didn't really have a preset kind of path in mind or a trajectory. In summary, it, it was kind of random, I would say. It was kind of random. So, you know, I was actually a pre-med student at UC Berkeley. Uh, a lot of my family's in medicine. And, you know, the American dream to immigrate to the U.S. I'm from Belarus. You're kind of told you're a doctor or a lawyer. Right. And that's kind of the, the definition of the success. I wasn't very good at organic chemistry. I found out after taking it a few times, not passing each time, but I kind of pivoted a few times in trying to figure out what path should I take? You know, what should I do? You know, shortly after graduating college, I got a job at Twitter. And then after Twitter, you know, worked at Facebook for a little bit. And then I actually came to Walmart where I'm still at to this day as a kind of ops analyst. Right. You know, I was still kind of trying to kind of make my way around and trying to figure out what's what. And, you know, I joined Walmart as a generalist, right? They told me like, hey, there's like five or six teams and five, six different initiatives that we might put you on, just sit tight. And then about my third week in the role, they're like, all right, you're going to be the product manager of this platform, go. So I'm sitting there thinking, hey, and I was kind of, you know, managing a order management system at the time. And all I could think is, well, A, you know, damn, I'm a product manager now. What do I need to do? What do I need to learn? B, is this kind of the path for me? What is product management in itself? And and C, I didn't even know what what an OMS was really, like to an extent. And that's kind of how I found the center, right? I think one of the earlier questions you had, Jeff, was like really, you know, how did I find the center? And so one thing, you know, ever since I've been, you know, broke into that role, I've been trying to kind of find ways to improve my skills on like learn what are the best PMs in the industry doing? You know, what are some of the best practices, et cetera? But I guess to sum it up, really, it's it was just, a bunch of random kind of luck uh, to an extent and a lot of kind of right place at the right time. And that's kind of what I preach to people, right? There's no really set clear path or trajectory to become a product manager, to be a good product manager. Everybody's going to have their own path. And you said, I have a pretty kind of random path out there. All right. Thank you for sharing that path. I think the more people hear the different paths in a product, the more they could see themselves pursuing their dreams or achieving their dreams. Sumeya, speaking of achieving dreams, I I don't know where I was going to go with that. Our dream is making knowledge more accessible. And every single week you've been here sharing fantastic insights with our other panelists and with the audience and just making knowledge more accessible. So thanks for making that dream come true. Tell us a little bit about, it's been a while since I've asked you this question. So tell us a little bit about your path into product management. 
All right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I did a quick listen through some of our episodes because we, we wanted to, I wanted to get some nuggets from memorable episodes from the past. And I, I want to apologize to to those who have heard me talk about my background before for the repetition. But, you know, for benefit of new people, new listeners here, I'm Sumeya Benganem. My background uh, started in technology. So I, I went to college for computer science and, uh, you know, started working on systems immediately after. I took a meaningful pivot towards product management because I liked both the analysis and the decision-making that came together in that role. And, you know, luckily I also was a people person, so it worked out very well for me. I have been doing this for almost 20 years. I've been a, a VP and a CPO and a PM and a staff PM and in different industries, both B2B software or B2B services and B2C. So, Always excited to talk about the nuance of product management and the people side of it, uh, which makes it really one of the most rewarding and challenging crafts out there. All right. Thanks for being here again, Sumeya. And thanks for forgiving my wandering here today. I'm a little bit off my game, but we're going to still deliver a wonderful show. And part of that trio that delivers this wonderful show, Red is going to pick up the slack. Red, you and Larry share a common theme, which is you support other people. You give back uh, without asking for much in return. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, why you're on the founding advisory board for the Product Management Center and and what you're going to be involved in today's conversation. Absolutely. And Jeff, I thought you were going to say because my family has roots in uh, Belarus. Uh, so Rusak is my last name, Larry, and I am Belarusian, but uh, far, far back. So uh, proud to share the stage with you. And as far as maybe uh, sharing a common thread as far as giving back, it's because it's it's what we do. And in the product management community, more than any other community, when you look at different collegiate level support programs for marketing and for engineering, it seems interesting that none of the colleges have a program dedicated to one, product managers, and obviously, Jeff, one near and dear to me is sales, but we'll start that one next. But for product managers, I've been spending the last decade working with, serving, understanding, and helping product managers get closer to their customers. And as a advisory board member, my number one goal is to make this group accessible to all. And so we have a Slack group. We have consistent events, which we'll be posting about shortly. And more importantly than all, this is a podcast. So what it means for those who are listening in the room right now, I see a lot of familiar faces. Hello. We do this every Tuesday, 4 p.m., and we turn it into a podcast. So for those who could not join, uh, please feel comfortable marking down the podcast, How to Succeed in Product Management. And if you're interested in any of the programming or Slack group, go ahead, hit me up, send a carrier pigeon, throw rock my way, find me on LinkedIn, and absolutely we will find a way to include you. But for those who are here tonight, I'm going to put a link very shortly above our emojis for the summit. That's right, a summit for all things inclusive in terms of product management. I know Jeff will mention it soon, but we're here not to talk about the Product Management Center. We're here to talk about Larry and obviously all the insights you can share tonight. So with that, Jeff, back to you and Larry. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure for sharing the stage with you as well. It's always nice when the response to, hey, you're from Belarus, we're in California, is that? I hear that, hey, I'm actually from Belarus and sharing the stage with you. So it's great to hear that. Way to go, Red, getting uh, some kudos right off the bat. Way to win some points. Larry, speaking of winning points, soft skills as a PM. Talk a little bit about the importance of soft skills rather than just, you know, the data driven, the the number crunching that that is also critically important to product management. But tell me about what soft skills you see as important and and why they're important in the day of life of a product manager. Yeah, great question, Jeff. And I, this is one of my favorite topics to, to talk about and, and work with, you know, PMs on. Because I, I think, you know, and, and just kind of for the rest of the folks on the call, a little bit about me and my background. So I've been at Walmart for about three years now. So I've been supporting kind of a lot of the technical product work around API integrations, uh, moved on to support, you know, the enterprise data warehousing uh, initiatives on the Walmart Connect side, which is the advertising arm. And I actually recently just joined, it's my week three, the store number eight team at, at Walmart to support the data needs for kind of conversational commerce and the kind of artificial intelligence behind it. 
And a lot of it is like, wow, that's that's a lot. And you might be thinking like, well, damn, that sounds very technical, where in reality, I would actually argue that soft skills are probably arguably more important than technical skills off the bat. And I know this is one thing that you like, you know, I've read a lot of articles about this, you know, and there's oftentimes there's always this kind of focus on, you know, fostering soft skills and, and why that's important in tech. You know, me about three to five years ago would be like, all right, this is very cliche. It's the same stuff. Like, you know, are they really that important or is everybody going to really just care about, you know, what coding languages, what software, you know, what softwares are you familiar with, et cetera. And me kind of coming into this new role of kind of artificial, you know, work with artificial intelligence, machine learning as a legal studies grad, like you can imagine, I'm not a computer science major or a graduate. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's challenging, but I, I think as a successful PM, what I always tell folks is you, you like definitely it takes more importance, at least in my opinion, to foster those soft skills, right? Like, you know, and I think to me, I think that's one thing we share in common a little bit as well is, you know, for my last show, I was working very closely with our internal systems and tools, right? That was our team name systems and tools. And so, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of kind of things you can probably add on in, in, in here. But, for example, soft skills like, you know, working with other people, right? In order, for example, if you're working on internal tools to drive successes and to actually hit you know, your metrics, you need buy-in from your stakeholders, right? You need to work closely with people and you need to get them to, you know, you need to get that buy-in to your vision, right? And it's not as simple as saying, hey, here's what I want to do and here's why. Like, you need to foster a relationship with them, right? I think that's one thing I always preach, you know, kind of building on top of that is one of the most crucial steps as a product manager is successful relationship building, right? Whether that's with your engineers, whether that's, you know, if you're in tunnel with other teams, whether you're with its customers, whatever that looks like, at its core, right, I would argue that like relationship building is crucial for success, right? Because these, especially from, you know, from speaking from my personal, you know, scenarios, I work very closely with internal teams on internal products, right? And if you have internal teams in bottom into the vision, you have much higher chance of success than if you just basically try to build a new product, no matter how revolutionary it is, you will not get traction if you have no buy-in, right? And so that's kind of where my focus is, is kind of, you know, at least a few of those kinds of skills like relationship building and working well with others. But, you know, I think there's kind of more and I'm happy to kind of dive into it a little bit more and not sure how much, how, how we're doing time-wise, but say to kind of any, anybody listening here, definitely something that I would highly, highly recommend. You know, I always tell people that I'm not the most technically competent person in the room by far and everyone will pretend to be. But the one thing, you know, I can do is just, you know, work well with others, right? And, you know, connect the dots. And I think, you know, sometimes those skills are far more important to be a successful product manager than, for example, like learning how to code, right? Like, which is, don't get me wrong, a great skill and also something I'm doing myself, right? Take it to coding boot camps and whatnot. But I would say definitely kind of foster that other side of not just technical skills. And that's how I would say to truly be kind of a great PM. Thank you, Larry. I want to see if we might have a kernel for some controversy, which is what Red has always wanted. Sumeya, would you like to rebut his comments on the importance of soft skills or are we going to be in agreement here? <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you because <laughs> it, it is easy to agree with this one uh, because I do believe strongly that what is common, product management looks different in different companies and different roles, but what is common between all those roles usually is that you have to inspire, you have to lead and you have to make decisions of people that you don't have any authority over or much authority over. So, you know, for you to be able to succeed, your soft skills are extremely important. What does soft skills mean here? I think, again, it looks different. And in this case, it also looks different from one person to the next. I don't know if this is something that others have noticed, but the parts of your soft skills that become the most important over time are the things that you're either really good at or you're really bad at. <laughs> Everything in between, really no one cares about. Let's move on to another soft skill. So we're talking soft skills that are important to product managers. Sumeya, I mentioned storytelling. Are there any other soft skills that you could then provide a framework or a tool or a way to improve at that skill? I'm going to bring one that's really obvious, 
And But I think it's extremely important, especially when you're trying to innovate and bring people together. And that's listening without judgment. So a lot of us, you know, we're smart. We've been around the, the corner and we, we've been doing this for a while. And so as PMs, we listen, especially when we do, let's say, collaboration sessions or say design studios or, or whatever workshop where we are bringing people together to move the ball forward or to come out with some sort of solution or outcome. And I think one of the most important skills or soft skills to bring to those kinds of situations and on the average to more of the interactions with the team is to listen without judgment, to have a sense of curiosity and to to, to come with a desire to understand. And once you understand then you can apply the judgment. PMs need to clarify ambiguity. They need to inspire the team. So not having any judgment doesn't make sense, but just waiting a little bit to get there, uh, I think is something really important. Larry, any comment on, on that one? Yeah, I think listening is one that was truly like hard for me to pick up on and, and, and really took me a while to, to really take a step back and, and listen right rather than talk and especially if you know you know when you talk about kind of being inclusive and, and you keep in mind that maybe there's certain people that are less inclined to speak up due to you know certain factors etc like it's a good practice and definitely a crucial soft skill is just to be an effective listener as well as an effective communicator and then red putting you on the spot but you are a listener you, you're listen both in your job and also here on the podcast every week what are some ways that somebody could diagnose if they have improvement in their active listening skills and what are some things that you do to help improve or to to get to where you are now you know it's a great question jeff i think for one there's two sides to this there's the method of what are the steps to improve your listening skills and then the other one is the tracking your performance over time for the methods that have at least worked for me the first one is to breathe before you respond that's one of the hardest things in the world to do when you're passionate or excited about something and you hear a keyword and all you want to do is jump in. And what I found is a lot of times when you take a deep breath before you respond, you'll find the person on the other end hasn't finished their statement. They're still going. So to me, the first step is to breathe. The second one is to really be comfortable with silence. It is awkward to be with someone you don't know and in a silence mode where you're kind of sitting there staring at them. And to be fair, when you're in an active conversation, setting the expectation at the beginning that this is a feedback loop or we're learning from each other, that awkward moment isn't awkward anymore. You've already said it in advance. We're going to have this time dedicated to hearing you. And I think the third one is know what you want to ask before you go into a meeting. This is meeting prep 101. A lot of times, we're too busy in our days where we're just jumping from meeting to meeting without an agenda or at least having given enough prep. And if you're not walking into a meeting with an understanding about what you want to get out of it, especially in the Zoom world where it seems like we're just bleeding literally from the eyeballs from meeting to meeting, you're missing an opportunity to really get the things you want to listen for. That said, to track if you're doing a good job, there are tools out there I would recommend. Um, you know, there are companies that use, at least for sales, like Chorus and Zoom has recordings, but no analytics. Otter AI, I think, is another one. I think Gong is a good one I would recommend. You go. And Larry, what have you found when you looked at the analytics for Gong? Have you ever been able to diagnose kind of your listening capabilities? Have you, have you ever used it for that specifically? I personally have not. I'm actually kind of in the process of looking into, you know, Otter AI as we speak. But I do know that one of the vendor companies that I worked with previously is kind of piloting Gong and I've heard good things about it. So like, yeah, I'm intrigued to kind of do a little bit more research, but I can't vouch for it just yet. Maybe if y'all invite me back, I'll have a little bit more to, to give and take. And the funny thing there, Red, is there was an awkward silence there for a moment and <laughs> it killed me. I can't handle, I don't know if it was an awkward silence, but I can't handle silence. So I'm really glad that you kind of told me at least and everybody else like the importance of accepting it and waiting for it. 
Well, Jeff, this is radio, so it is a little bit different, but I appreciate the, uh, the sentiment. <laughs> uh, it is a little different, but not that different. A silence kills me. It's really tough. That's okay. That's that's why you had a, a dog at home. That will make I mean, that's why, yeah. I, mean that's, I, I agree with you on that, right? I mean, like, it's it's tough, right? So, like, and for what it's worth, I mean, there was a few minutes of, or a few seconds of awkward silence on my end, and, but I think it was a technical issue. But um, I'm with you on that, right? And I think, right, to kind of your earlier point, and I'll kind of drop after this is really just you know the whole concept of context switching right i think one thing i found myself in my last role is you know when you go meeting to meeting it's tough sometimes just even physically mentally for your brain to switch over to you know the next topic the next you know thing you're discussing so really slowing down and just breathing has had a tremendous impact on me and it's been really really helpful so i'll definitely kind of recommend it to anybody here it's just to you know really just breathe sometimes on the call and you know you'll you'll see outcomes of that awesome so speaking of breathing and awkward silence uh, we are due for an awkward silence where red welcomes anybody from the stage from the audience to ask questions uh, before we transition to audience questions i just want to give a quick shout out speaking of inclusivity and inclusion there are five companies and counting who are committing to inclusion they are sponsoring and supporting the inclusive product management summit uh, which is coming up may 20th and may 21st so i just want to quickly say thank you to to Microsoft. Thank you to Motorola Solutions. Thank you to Axon. Thank you to Zillow. And thank you to Amazon. Uh, these are five companies who are investing in the Product Management Center and our efforts to develop a more inclusive future. And not only are they making it possible for us to continue hosting events and gathering points where everybody feels welcome in product management, regardless of their lived experiences and backgrounds, and that everybody can learn to be better at managing stakeholders inclusively and building inclusive products. So we're grateful that they've invested in that space, and we're grateful that they're sending dozens of their own product managers to learn best practices from uh, professors and from industry leaders. Join us at the Inclusive Product Management Summit. And we still have room for another sponsor or two. So if any company here can pull together a sponsorship in a short amount of time, we'd love to have you join, again, Microsoft, Axon, Motorola Solutions, Zillow, and Amazon in trying to build a more inclusive future. Speaking of more inclusive future, Red, you are generous to include everybody in these conversations, asking questions of our experts here today. Are you ready to do that? Man, it's like, it's like you live for these moments, you know, and Sumaya encourages you. I know it. I know it. So <laughs> She's the one that came up with the, you'll be ready in a Jeffy. Can't laugh at your own jokes, man. This is not how it works, people. I know. She's laughing oh, at me retelling God. it. So like that, yeah, it's all good. We could both laugh. <laughs> Red, it's all you, man. Your flywheel to each other. Thank you. So, for those who are out there in audience land, please, this is your time to ask questions. We have a chat that's been actually very popular for the last couple of weeks for people to just directly ask their questions. And out of respect, we won't say your last name. We'll just call out your first name and would love to have an opportunity to represent you here in the room. And, you know, there's a couple people that were here last week. I know, Joan, you uh, are coming back and had some questions as related to AI. But in general, please, this is a chance where if you just go into the chat and ask your question, we'll ask them. You can also Slack me directly in the Slack group from uh, the Product Management Center. Or if you want to raise your hand and go old school, we'll invite you on stage like a radio host and you're the guest. All we ask is that you are good on stage and more importantly, that you have a profile that looks relevant. A lot of times we invite people up that just want to preach something that's not specific to today's topic and we want to protect our listeners and their time. So with that in mind, Jeff, as we're waiting for questions to populate, as I know they will be coming in soon, I want to pass it back to you in hopes that one, you'll stoke controversy and two, you will not make another pun for at least two more minutes. Oh, but we have a hand raiser and it's, of course, a past guest, uh, Raul. Hopefully this works for you to come up on the stage. So Jeff, I'm actually going to, um, you are not ready for any pun knees at this moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give you an awkward silence, by the way, just to show that I could. That was going to be my joke there. But Raul, great to see you again. Red, run it. <laughs> yeah, Raul, what brings you to the stage, please? Is it a question or an insight? The stage is yours, my friend. Yeah, just a quick question. I'm, I'm outside right now, so you might hear some, some birds and New York City sounds, so sorry about that. But, but Larry, it's so great to, great to meet you and, and listen. It's a kickoff to, uh, to Mental Health Awareness Month. And, and I, uh, you know, my question kind of resolves around that is working in the product management space, do you have any uh, tips, tricks, or good ways to approach team members and your team 
to motivate them, um, even though maybe you may see, you know, some exhaustion or I guess the, the main question is, is when you see your team kind of down and out, but you have a project to deliver, like what are some, some good ways to approach these situations and, and have this, has this ever happened to you before? So any insights is great from, from Sumeya Jeff and anyone read, but I just thought it was a good time to, to kind of mention this in, in this sort of month and bring awareness. So thanks for, thanks for having me on stage. Of course, in Raul, the birds and the sound of the uh, motorcycles really <laughs> got us all out of our own desks. So Larry, <laughs> to you, my friend, what's, what do you think, Larry? Yeah, and I love the ambiance and, and Raul, thank you for kind of highlighting that you know, with mental health awareness and everything, I think it's crucial. You know, I'm a big proponent of, in general, just before kind of diving, just work-life balance, right? I think sometimes as a product manager, you, you're you kind of just caught into the weeds of things and it's very easy to get attached. Um, so one thing I always kind of, you know, preach to, to the teams I work with is just, you know, if you really need a break, you know, five o'clock is your cutoff, five o'clock is your cutoff, don't respond, right? Because I think it's very easy, especially in the Zoom world these days too. You know, and I, you know, kind of get that exhaustion, right? Especially kind of with the, with the context switching in feeling burnt out, right? And I think really kind of brought up a good point is especially kind of in the virtual world, it, it is tough, right? And I've definitely run into that kind of challenge of keeping folks motivated, you know, especially in my last role, like, you know, advertising ad tech is not necessarily the most glorious of spaces, right? It's a lot of, no, don't get me wrong. It's pretty, it's just a lot of fun, but it is a crucial topic uh, to at the very least have with your team. So I think one thing I would recommend is just, you know, checking in with folks and just see how they're doing and kind of setting that culture in place that like, hey, we, it's okay to be tired. It's okay if you need more time. Like, you know, of course, it's going to be sometimes sensitive things, but it's okay to focus on your mental health, right? And, you know, I think one thing that worked well, my previous team is, you know, you know, I didn't have really always kind of the full say to say, you know, when you can take off and not. But one thing I, you know, I've, take it for myself, told people to do it, was if, you know, take a mental health day, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be like, hey, it's a sick day or you're on PTO, you know, maybe once every month, every two months, maybe you just need a mental health day, right? Relax, just take off, go do your favorite thing, just draw, you know, I, lo I love working with, I love animals, right? So for me, I love going to the zoo, right? And stuff like that, aquarium. But I think, you know, the, and one more thing I'll add here, and I'll kind of pass it over, pass the baton is, one thing that's kind of, I think, helped is sometimes just to do kind of a, a soft reset in a sense of maybe having like a quick call or a presentation. I mean, like, here's a big thing we're working towards, right? I think especially working, you know, remotely and we're all kind of in our, you know, crannies and nooks and wherever we might be located. We don't get that same FaceTime, et cetera. And it's kind of, you know, get tough sometimes, right? You're just kind of in there by yourself, et cetera. And you don't, you don't have a team around you to talk to, bounce ideas off of, et cetera. So one thing, you know, Roll and somebody else I'd recommend is if you find like your team is, is getting into that, right? You do like a quick presentation, like here's this great big thing we're working on, right? Like I know you're caught up in your day-to-day -day and like, you know, you're, you're like maybe caught up in denial tasks and, you know, working out of JIRA boards and tickets and, you know, you're just going ticket to ticket that you get caught up you know, you're really caught up in that, right? And you kind of forget the big picture. And so kind of doing that refresh of like, hey, I know you're kind of caught up with that, but here's the big thing, right? Here's the progress we've made. Here's the impact it's going to have. Because I think the one, like the last thing, the way I'll put it is the more you can tie a person's work to their impact, you know, to their interests, to what, you know, the impact they're making, the less you would see this, right? And and maybe this is from Jeff for some controversy. I would love kind of any opposite takes, but that's kind of my take is, is really, you know, in, to inspire any person around you. Like, here's how your work, what your work is doing. And that, that I think that's what really, I think that's what really helps. I can't say it's, it's a solve and a fix it for all. And, you know, I don't think there's a fix for one size fits all approach to fix this but i think that's what helped me personally as well even for myself i caught myself being in that rut and what really helped me is like all right like hey the work i'm doing is going to you know for example like coca-cola or something like that right when i think about a big picture present it to the team get the teams buying on the vision and bring them along in the journey then we see a lot less of that but like i said open up and i'll pass the baton to whoever wants to take it from here sumeya you're usually good for a insightful <laughs> comment here and there. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, the concern with the, the health, the mental health of PMs is really warranted. We care a lot about everyone else on the team, and sometimes we forget about ourselves. I think in the last show, I actually talked about that a little bit. A couple of things now that we're working remote that have worked really well for my team that we, we've been doing. One, as a team, we decide on what core hours mean, meaning these are the times when, as a team, we can all meet together, we can talk, collaborate, pair mob, whatever you want to call it. And those hours actually span less than four across the day. And then, so that's one. Two, we are encouraged every hour to take 10 minutes off. That's pretty, I, I think, to cert in certain cultures, that seems excessive, but in others, it seems normal. And so we're just trying to make this taking a break getting up from your desk, doing whatever it is that takes you out of that, you know, rabbit hole you have been in and opens up uh, your mind and clears it out a little bit. 10 minutes is not long enough for that, but just allowing people to make it okay. And so we've said, for example, everyone should take 10 minutes off every hour. And so it makes it okay for people to finish meetings in 20 minutes or 50 minutes or less than that and to just take the time and take time off. I think the only other thing I, I want to add here is that the retro that the team does is a great space to have some of these conversations. So every person and every team needs maybe something different. And I think a, a very healthy thing for any product team to do is to start surfacing these conversations together in the retro. I think the retro now, or in, in many teams, has taken this shape of more of a product retro rather than a team retro. People talk a lot about the features and the work that has been done, but you know, getting the team to say things like, I am feeling burnt out this week, or there was a lot of context shifting this week and that was exhausting. Those are examples, I think, of really healthy team conversations. And so as a PM, I'm always looking for those signals. I model them myself if I'm feeling that way. I share that and then always happy to listen and hear what others say. And then collectively as a team, we can talk about what do we need to change or what needs to change for us to have less of those uh, situations. And then last but not least, and I just have to say this because I think if you are in Silicon Valley, maybe you take this for granted, but this is not true everywhere. Uh, taking a mental health day off. If you need it, take it. There is nothing that important at work that you cannot wake up one morning. And if you're feeling like you just can't, take the day off. And that's it. Like there is no no apology needed there. All right. Thank you, Sumeya. And then I want to add into this. It's it's a, a small little thing and it's not kind Jeff, of I just want to make sure you know you said a small little thing like that's <laughs> thank you just, mm -hmm. back, back to you Jeff it's not some profound like answer to the question for those joining us the, the, the question we're all getting in on is mental health and and how do we support our teams as product managers or support our product managers but just a small little story of what somebody did for me that was really helpful so I've been blessed I feel very fortunate in where I my, my mental status or whatever. But with my mom going through cancer, it was really rough for some time. And it would actually drive me nuts when people would say, how are you? And it was just like, that's how you open a conversation. But nobody really cared how I was. And nobody really cares for that response. It's just kind of like what we ask. And so uh, it would almost it would make it worse. It would build up because I'd either have to say, I'm doing fine, which I wasn't, or I would have to tell them the whole thing when it was clear that that's not what they were really asking. They just was the hello. So yeah, so that built up a lot of toughness. But one person said, hey, how are you? And then opened up with vulnerability and shared some of the things that, that he was struggling with. And that relates to kind of research on psychological safety, that one way to give a sense of psychological safety is to show vulnerability yourself. And so that's kind of one story to Raul's question that hopefully is a little bit helpful. That one thing I think we could do as others struggle with 
mental health or struggle with what's going on in their own lives to be vulnerable and to ask with actual curiosity because it helped me uh, during a tough time. And I can imagine, I know other people have tougher things, but it could help then too. So Red, stage is yours to continue to manage. Raul, thanks for that question. And Jeff, thank you for sharing that as well. And I, and I will double down. This ties back to a little bit, you know, my point earlier about building kind of genuine relationships with folks. You know, don't ask. I, th- that's my rule of thumb. What I tell people is, is don't ask, how are you, if you don't really care, right? Come in the room and ask genuinely. And if, you, if people tell you genuine and you actually care and you ask some questions after that, I guarantee you'll have much far better work relationships. But thank you, Jeff, for sharing that. I know that takes a lot. Well. This is exactly why we have this meet and greet every Tuesday. This is exactly why you hear Larry to bring out from the woodwork like a fine whiskey, the incredible flavors and advice that comes from thought leaders. And Jeff, while not a direct PM, it's very important that you have an opportunity to share what is not just important for PMs, but for anyone to operate in in and outside of the workplace. So thanks for that vulnerable moment. Speaking of vulnerability, I did give the opportunity for people out there to ask questions, and I haven't given you the opportunity to get them answered. So for this moment in time, I'm going to shift gears back to the messages to see, going back to Haroon. Haroon, this is a question, which apps and third-party solutions or tools are you using for product management to manage the process with inclusive approach effectively? So I think this might be a not a question about what tools are for product managers, but more so leveling up what tools or third-party management frameworks are you using to drive inclusivity as it relates to product management. And I want to drop this one on you, Larry. Do you understand the question or do we need to define it more and further for you? No, it, it totally makes sense. And you know, the reason I just I didn't jump on that one is I didn't really have a great answer uh, for this. I mean, for me, Personally, you know, I haven't been that blessed with the best tools to work for this, but I, I also would argue that, you know, inclusivity is also kind of more of a mindset than a, a tools thing, right? Because you can draw, you can use many tools to drive inclusivity, you know, et cetera. Like, you know, if you're, you know, working on project management, for example, like, you know, Asana could be a good one. I think sticky boards, any sort of tools, and I think, you know, we use this at the AMA Center, like anything that allows basically ideas to come but also allowing folks to be anonymous, right? Because maybe some folks are, you know, they have different ways of working. So I think like sticky boards, I think like Miro is a good one. But yeah, like I argue that you can have inclusivity in Confluence. You can do an Excel in a Word doc at a map, you know, with charts or what. Like you can do it any different way in shape or form. It's less important the tool itself. It's more important about like what is the intent, like, you know, inclusivity for the sake of inclusivity, right? Versus like, truly being inclusive. So that's kind of my take on that. I want to switch uh, this over to Samia and Jeff because they've run summits and conferences for the Product Management Center focused on this topic. Is Larry's answer consistent with what you've heard as advice, Samia? Or are there any other frameworks we're not thinking about out there that can help us level it up even further? Well, I think uh, there are three pieces. Definitely tools play an important role in this conversation because, you know, you need good tools to be able to open up space for people, engage with them thoughtfully, and allow them to express themselves as they want to. And so, yes, definitely tools are an important part of the question. I'm answering it this way in the spirit of assuming that, you know, the question is from a person who understands that inclusiveness and collaboration, there comes a lot of other things, starting with inviting the people in, you know, finding the people, creating that environment and culture and communicating them in a way that's inclusive. And then, of course, you need tools to help facilitate some of that, whether the tools are, you know, video conferencing tools or tools where you actually do work together. I think that depends on the situation. Very helpful context. And I think Sumeya always trying to make sure that we, without having a live conversation, we, we get as close to the answer it's needed for the question without, you know, obviously knowing where it's coming from. But I do want to shift gears because uh, Joan last week had asked to really drive this question in and, and came back this week. So welcome back. She asked, you mentioned soft skills. What's your style or framework for managing stakeholders, especially developers, where the relationship can sometimes be fragile or riddled? Fried, you know, fire drills and conflicts. 
So really, what's Blair, let's start back with you. What's your style or framework for managing stakeholders across the development org? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It is definitely a age-old problem. And also, I, I can't tell you like an exact framework to do it, right? It is a kind of, it, it does come up. In my style, like the way I've kind of addressed it is, and I think kind of boils down a little bit to my early point on soft skills, like one soft skill here that I always see is kind of like conflict mediation. In fact, I almost sometimes, and, and again, we'll throw, throw this into the room as a hot take or controversy, but I always like, as an effective PM, I, I argue that conflict mediation is a top five soft skill to master as a PM, right? Because you do, like John, kind of like you mentioned, you do run into those scenarios, right? You know, realistically, we would love to be sitting around and just, you know, saying goodbye, everything's great. But in reality, you know, conflicts come up and, and disagreements. That being said, and I think somebody hinted upon this in the call, like I think there's a certain level of healthy conflict in the team, right? Certain level of healthy disagreement. And, you know, I am truly all for that. But I think there's a certain level and sometimes a certain point it gets where it's like, all right, what do I, and I do now. And, you know, I personally love to just take things head on, you know, bring people into the room and, and, and talk it out, right? I think that's kind of what my style is, is, is rather than letting it go on festered, like let it like boil, bring it out into the open. Because oftentimes, you know, there's always like one thing I've learned in these situations is there's always a misconception or misperception that it's it's a personal versus a professional conflict. Like some people think it's a, somebody has it against them personally, whereas sometimes they just it's a professional thing. Like, hey, I don't like how you file the tickets, right? That has nothing to do as a person. Like, you're not an awful person, right? But I think that's where kind of the disconnect happens. And I think being a successful PM and frankly, I'm, you know, any role, right? But especially as a PM, sometimes you will be put in these scenarios and you do have to comp and mediate, right? And the style is like my style as well is, you know, not to quote the office. I know we kind of, is, you know, like not the uh, Michael Scott guide of conflict mediation, the win, 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 right? I won't go as cliche as that. But I will say this is just kind of, you know, and so I kind of touched upon it, but earlier is fostering that team, you know, culture, right? If you follow, if you foster that transparent, open team culture, even if you run into things like this, it'll be much easier to bypass them if you just kind of talk it out and, and allow folks basically room to talk it out without retribution repercussions right i think that's one thing that most people are worried about in these situations is you know will i be in trouble but if you say hey like this you know we we're all going for the same thing we're all pushing the same thing like let's let's just talk it out and i think that's what helped me love it and we have two great show references today uh, family guy and the office so larry for the win sumea join the club uh, what advice do you have and what show can you use as an analogy for it Darn, I did not, I need to prepare in advance for questions like that. <laughs> but I, I do have a point of view on this, on Joan's question. So here's how I think about these general questions around conflict. I know you might have a lot of fronts or a lot of individuals within the team that are generating friction and tension and challenges. And so I like to think about them like individually and understand where they're coming from and then have a plan <laughs> of action. But the plan of action is built on two things. One, one-on-one -on -one conversations. And two, not shying from the truth or the reality. I know a lot of you, people use the word confrontational in a negative way. I'm talking about being confrontational with respect. So coming from a place of wanting to understand what is going on, uh, why is there that tension? Why is there this attitude? Whatever the issue is, let's say they don't want to collaborate or they keep pushing back on things that you have no agency over or no one does. And so creating space for you and each one of these individuals to have this conversation is extremely important. People who build rapport will start to understand each other. So that's one. Two, it does not resolve the issue right away. So over time, you're, you're going to have to do these one-on-ones for with some of the people more than once. And two, you're going to have the other factor into all of this is you're going to have to dig deeper in yourself and allow them to also dig deeper in themselves. As in, a lot of these conflicts come from a place of ego. And so to be able to 
create a safe space to have these conversations together is your number one priority. Uh, it might mean in the first conversation, it's all about you just asking questions and listening and you know, telling them that you understand. Understanding does not mean you agree. You don't have to. Just understand that. That's uh, And then come away from that meeting and understand maybe what is your reaction. Because in every conflict, there are two parties. There is you, and you has reasons and emotions. Sometimes we try to ignore our own emotions, but I think you should examine that and then help the, the other party do the same. So the, the question was general, but I think it's important when we're thinking about conflict within the team to, to create space, to plan for it, and to do it one-on-one. And then once you do the one-on-one, if it doesn't work, or even if it works, then you graduate to do more of a collective conversation. And that's how you get to create psychological safety in the team, where you know your vulnerability in bringing up discussions around, hey, we're facing this conflict in the team. What can we do? How can we elevate the overall contributions of everyone here without having to compromise? That's my take on this. Reference, because that was very, very helpful context in terms of not only addressing what is a broad question, but providing not, (laughs) to be fair, Samaya, what I don't like is when the stage always agrees with the other what I love is when they're able to layer on a multi-layered cake of delicious advice. And for me, this was a supreme Sunday of incredible tips and tricks for how to manage, especially between product and eng, which uh, as we've learned from past people and as well, what we heard today from Joan is that uh, it can be contentious. So hopefully, Joan, you feel more prepared. And Jeff, knowing we are at the point in time where we are starting closing thoughts, thank you to everybody who asked questions. For those who didn't feel heard, please, apologies in advance. And no, we are all going to take a big, big breath after this. And hopefully next week, we'll listen to your question and answer them on stage. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Red. Thank you, Samea and Larry, for an engaging conversation. Samea, do you mind concluding thoughts? And then Larry... You'll be up next, so start thinking about what you want to leave the audience with today. Uh, but to me, I know you have to run soon, so any concluding thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Larry, it has been a pleasure meeting you, and thanks for all the work you do. As usual, we PMs, when we meet, I think we, we tend to agree because our role has very little black and white. It's all about nuance. It's all about situations that require different things. It's about holding two opposite or two opposing facts in our minds at the same time, a lot of times. You know, a person can be competent, but also not the right fit. A product can be successful, but not successful enough in a specific market. So I I think some of the conversations today illuminated some of those situations and scenarios. But I think it's, it's fair to say that the personal skills part of it, you know, the human part of it, whether you're talking about a PM or a leader of any kind, can be consistent. Someone who communicates well, someone who shows up authentically. And I'm glad that we got to talk about some of that, but uh, we probably just scratched the surface my computer had stalled out and I was just assuming you guys were exercising awkward silence. So apologies for the interruption. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I think I'm done. (laughs) Oh, that was classic. This is great. What a great show. I... (laughs) I don't know why that was so funny to me, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. My face it. is red, Jeff. It's beat <laughs> yes. red right now. <laughs> red. Excellent. Sumeya, thank you for that closing thought. Red, thank you for making sure there was not a drop of awkward silence there. And Larry, save the day here from my uh, distracting laughter. What is your concluding thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience with? Contagious laughter is how to put it. But no, first off, thank you, you know, for having me and, and Red Sumay. It's been a pleasure. And you know, everybody else kind of on the call. My parting thoughts is, you know, like I, I will say this. I am nowhere, you know, in any way, shape, or form an expert PM. 
you know, I'm just kind of giving my take from my background and my skill set. So that's one thing I would recommend and push all of you to do in a spirit of what this center tries to do. But, you know, all the folks here is just kind of share your stories, right? Educate folks, right? Especially in, in communities, you know, like, you know, I grew up in a community that has very little social capital, right? Nobody like I knew was a product manager, not what I knew was an engineer. I didn't know what the technical world was. And so that's kind of why I'm so interested in giving back and sharing my story. And it's, and I'm probably gonna be wrong, or, you know, maybe some cases right, maybe some cases wrong, but that's kind of where I encourage you guys to kind of start dialogues, maybe think about some of the, you know, topics we discussed, but in general, just share share your knowledge right get it out there you know inspire fellow pms and i i think that's kind of truly what we're trying to do with the center and the mission is make product management more inclusive but i think there's a lot of kind of root work that needs to be done and i think no better way to have fellow pms do a lot of the root work and and help other aspiring pms as they kind of grow in their careers so that's kind of what i would recommend and put push folks uh to do thank you larry uh, and again thank you for all the work you've done with the product management center here at the university of washington you were not a uw student you had a, a different path and here you are in our community exactly what we want is uh, people who are fighting uh, to pave the way for others uh, sharing their valuable time sharing their valuable insights and opening the path to others who share your hunger to develop in, uh, innovations red founding advisory board member the reason why this podcast exists you started it all uh, are you red e for some concluding thoughts that's my awkward deep breath but on radio when you are doing a deep breath before uh in a meeting with someone else don't make it as loud and awkward as i just made it so that's it i think i'm gonna leave it to everyone else to come back every tuesday we're here to make it easy for you to be involved and find me on some social media channel if you want to get involved in slack that's it jeff i have no other parting wisdom just remember to breathe awkward silence or awkward breathing though that's the real question <laughs> that is what's worse i don't know what would kill me more awkward silence or awkward breathing <laughs> But or awkward laughter at your own comments that I <laughs> tend to do all the time. Anyway, thank you, Larry, for joining us. Thank you, Samaya, for being here every single week. Thank you, Red, for creating an inclusive environment for people to get their questions answered. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I want to remind all of you, May 20th and May 21st, this year, the online summit, the Inclusive Product Management Summit. You could attend from the comfort of your own home anywhere in the country or the world. And I believe for those who register, the videos will be available on demand if you want to check them out if you can't make every single talk. But it is a, an amazing event. We are bringing together hundreds and hundreds of product managers who care about inclusion and who care about the future of product management. And even if you are not yet realizing that inclusion truly is the path to the outcomes that most product managers seek. Uh, inclusion really, I hope you'll still come because inclusion is a way to better the lives of your customers, to advance your business objectives, and it's also a an outcome and a moral imperative in its own right. Uh, so come to the Inclusive Product Management Summit to hear from academic experts, from industry leaders about why inclusion is critical in product management, how to drive success through inclusive product management, and how to embed inclusion throughout your product organization. And we have an entire day dedicated to inclusive AI. So you'll find out why AI is important, why inclusive AI is important, and how to do it, how to drive success with inclusive AI. So May 20th, May 21st, go to foster.uw.edu slash IPM, or just Google the Inclusive Product Management Summit. It's a one of a kind. We're so grateful to have Microsoft, Axon, Motorola Solutions, Zillow and Amazon sponsoring the summit, sending lots of their product managers there. And I hope that uh, you will join them and others from around the world in connecting with each other and learning uh, from some of the best and becoming some of the best. So thank you all for being here. And uh, until next time, we'll see you next week on how to succeed in product management. 